Hello, my name is Eric Donenfeld, and I'm joined here today by my very good friend Priya Gupta. Uh, Priya recently joined a group of expert faculty to discuss and vote on topics related to defining, diagnosing, and treating acute exacerbations of dry disease. We call these flares. The results of that discussion were published in the May 2021 issue of CRST as a CME supplement titled The Second Dry Eye Flares Consensus Statement. Today, Priya and I will discuss some of the key consensus findings. Priya. Priya, according to our consensus group, every patient with dry eye disease should really be screened for flares. What are the key tests that you perform in your office when you're diagnosing a patient who you presume may have dry eye flares? Well, Eric, first we like to ask our patients um, some specific questions or use a questionnaire that can be easily administered. But in terms of actual you know, diagnostic tests, there's tear film testing, such as osmolarity and MMP9. Um, and then also on clinical exam, just putting a little bit of fluorescein in the uh, inferior fornix can highlight um, punctate staining of the cornea and the conjunctiva. Right. So very simple tests. Uh, I happen to like osmolarity as a test. Um, there's a lot of interest now in M- MMP9, and I think when we have a quantitative MMP9, that's going to be very helpful Absolutely. as well, and, that, and that's coming down the line. But I'm old school in that I think tear breakup time is helpful, and I love staining it, and, and I like to use lysamine green. I think lysamine green is vastly underutilized, but it really helps me make the diagnosis of patients with dry eye disease. Yeah, especially earlier than we would perhaps only looking with fluorescein. I think the key is, though, you know, having a high index of suspicion or even delegating the task to your excellent technicians to say, hey, ask patients just these three questions. I love to ask, how often are your eyes red? How often have you stopped, um, you know, doing work or an activity because of your eyes? Because those are typical things patients say when they have a flare. They're, my eyes are red and I can't do what I want to do. And so by delegating that to my staff, I feel like you know the patients love that we're asking these questions because they feel validated. Um, they often are a little shy sometimes to you know right. tell us these things or maybe they feel like there's not, you know, no one's treated it before, so why are they going to treat it now? Um, and so just having that sort of well-oiled <laughs> machine where um, the whole staff is screening, helping you to screen, and ultimately, you know, as a clinician, you're focusing on finding, you know, the pathology that's there on the surface. And and we do this exactly the same thing. And and I, I say we we actually empower the staff yeah. to to allow them to participate in the diagnosis. We start out with a very simple screening tool, and that is we have a dry eye questionnaire mm-hmm. that we give almost every patient who comes into our practice. And that dry eye questionnaire then empowers our staff to order the appropriate test. So when the patient comes to see me for the first time, I have a seamless diagnosis with a testing already done when I see the patient for the first time. And I'm not starting off from scratch and having ex- extended uh, time and effort to see these patients. So I think that if you're interested in, in becoming a comprehensive cataract surgeon or refractive surgeon and really taking care of the patients well, you have to manage the dry eye in your practice. And again, having your, your staff empowered to help you diagnosing these patients makes the diagnosis easy and effortless. Well, there you have it. Empower your staff and this will be easy. There you go. Well, Eric, we've talked about how treating a dry eye flare is really important. Can you walk us through your approach and what treatment options are out there for treating dry eye flares? Well, dry eye flares are managed the way dry eye is managed, but you want to uh, diagnose them um, and treat them when they occur. 
So for regular dry eye, I like to use immunomodulators, but immunomodulators don't give patients relief over a short time uh, period of time. So we still rely upon artificial tears. Artificial tears are a uh, key part of managing dry eye, but using tears is just not enough for, for treating a dry eye flare. But when you use tears, you're basically just treating symptoms. You're not treating the cause of the disease, which we know is inflammation. Mm -hmm. That's why I really like the new FDA approval of a drug called Isuvis, which is a 0.25% um, load of prednol, and it has nanotechnology. So the very small particles allow it to penetrate through the mucus to really get to the uh, root of the dry eye problem, treat the inflammation, and we've had extraordinarily good relief with these patients. And um, we use this, and we give patients a bottle uh, of the Isuvis, and we say to them, use it whenever you have flares, and we give the patient the control of their own diagnosis and controlling of their own treatments. So Isuvis has really become the linchpin in my management of dry flares. Now, there are a lot of other new drugs that are coming. Uh, Oyster Point um, has a receptor that's inhaled, and it releases tears, and it looks to be very exciting, and I think that there's a uh, very good future for that as well. Novartis has Lubricin, uh, which is an extraordinarily lubricant that's, you know, better than any tier that we have out there right now. Um, Bausch & Lomb just had the approval of, of their own tier as well, which looks very exciting. And then finally, um, Surface has a uh, betamethasone topical drop, which looks interesting as well. Pri, what do you like to use for managing dry and acute flares? Um, I'm like you. I think a corticosteroid is critical. Um, lately, we've been using Isuvis because it is FDA-approved to treat uh, the signs and symptoms of dry eye short, in the short term, up to two weeks. Uh, I also use it because of its safety profile. It was studied in over 2,000 patients. Um, I believe they only had you know, five patients out of all of those in the trials um, that had an IOP elevation. And, you know, when we look at historically, why do we sometimes shy away from using corticosteroids in dry eye? It's because we worry about the safety profile. And to have something that's not only FDA approved, but also, you know, very unlikely to raise IOP. You know, I, I do just like you do. I treat the flare and then I tell the patient, hang on to the bottle, you know, use it sparingly. You know, of course, we still monitor these patients um, to make sure that, you know, they're not having any side effects. But it, it really is a win for the patient and, and for the practice as well because the patient really does get better when you treat them with corticosteroids and it's quick um, and that's really important. Patients respond so, so rapidly to this. And again, we only give them to them for a short period of time, uh, sometimes just a couple of days, but sometimes up to two weeks. But the, yeah. the key thing that you mentioned here is for a lot of doctors, and, and, and I'll include optometrists as eye care professionals who may not feel comfortable using a corticosteroid, this is a corticosteroid that you can use and be very comfortable mm -hmm. with because the safety profile is exceptional. Right. It doesn't raise uh, intraocular pressure. Um, because it, it breaks down before it gets into the anterior chamber. It's really a great surface drug, and um, we, f we find this to be very helpful. But again, I think the key here is the FDA indication makes people feel very comfortable about using the medication. Absolutely. And, you know, when we think about the different molecules that are out there, you know, sometimes people say, well, why, why don't you just use any steroid? Um, and it really is to me, you know, this is 0.25%. It's a very low concentration, but because as you mentioned, the mucus penetrating particles really is a novel drug design. And I think, you know, a lot of times as clinicians, we don't spend time thinking about how each drug is working. You know, we got a lot going on in our day, but this, you know, there's a lot of technology and science behind this drug. And I think that it really helps to make it something that's 
a win for the clinician and the patient. Right, so, so lodopredinol is the only ester steroid that's out there. And because it's an ester, the esterases in the body will break down the lodopredinol before it can cause keratogenesis or raise in drug pressure. So it's, it has a safety mm -hmm. profile that's exceptionally greater than the amide steroids that are out there that don't break down and, and have a, a prolonged residence time in intraocular tissues. So again, safety, efficacy, and FDA indication for me are the key reasons why I like to use Isuvis for these patients. Couldn't agree more. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we encourage you to read the entire supplement where you can get in greater detail on information related to diagnosing, defining, and treating dry eye flares.